Inflation reports are worse than expected, and high-speed rail once again proves to be a left-wing pipe dream. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day and lots of laughs, too. Follow the Three Martini Lunch wherever you get your podcasts. Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. I saw this by way of Jordan Boyd over at The Federalist. Actually, I saw it first by Yahoo. Because it is, this is, I'm just going to share with you this headline, okay? <laughs> this is so, I cannot believe this is a headline. Let me just say that. Quote, America is facing a diaper crisis and the anti-abortion movement may not be helping. <laughs> what? Damn you people having those babies. That's an actual, I'm not making this up. This is a for real headline. It legitimately was. It's from Yahoo Finance. And it gets into how families are lacking access to supplies. They never at once touch on why. Could it be mm, inflation? Could it be mm, supply chain issue? Could it be that? I mean, a number of things. No, no, no. No, no, that's not the reason, ladies and gentlemen, that people have access to supplies essential to their baby's well-being. The problem is abortion. That's the problem. Not enough people are having it. That's it. I'm not kidding you. This is legit the entire article. I wish I was making this up. So It's the anti-abortion movement. That is... And they... Yes, they were ratioed with quote tweets. Uh... I just, well, what, okay, well, what happens, can I just ask a question? So if there is a Chardonnay shortage, who can we blame? (laughs) I'm just saying, right? Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, they don't actually, they don't, it's not, they don't, they, they touch on formula, they touch on diapers, particularly, And they don't at all touch on the economic issues that have all contributed to this. No, what it is, is it's the uh, anti-abortion movement. That's how they put it. And that's how they put it. It's the uh, anti-abortion movement, which is making the diaper crisis worse. Because they keep making these babies here. Like they keep putting these babies in women's bellies. It's crazy through no choice of the woman's. I mean, you'll have a pro-life person who has a magic wand and she bippity boppity boos a baby up in your belly. I mean, that's how it happens. We all know that. Was this the same argument they used for formula as well? Well, no, I don't know. I just know that it's about the diapers. So when every, remember it was about a year and a half ago we had the uh, toilet paper shortage. Remember uh-huh. that? So was it because... You know, people had butts. Like, I don't understand what the, what's the logic. It's clearly yeah, supply chain issue. It is it's clearly not, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supply it's, chain and inflation. Yeah. No, it's not that. I think they just like picking on babies. Because yeah. ba- a baby can't punch you yeah, in the I throat. Agree with that. That's. What, I mean, I think that that's what this ultimately what this is. You know, I mean, it's. I cannot even believe a grown adult female wrote this piece. It is. If I was a if I was a college professor and I was reading this piece. I would publicly fail her, meaning I would bring her up in front of the class and I would make her believe that she was like going to get really praised. And I would, I, this is why I shouldn't teach either. And I would make her cry. 
and be like, this is the dumbest thing this is that we've ever read. And you are natural birth control by yourself, you and your reasoning and everything about you. <sighs> I just, it's not, it's, you know, because we need to, we've, you, we, the reason that we need more diapers. So we must, we got to kill babies. Some of these babies got to be cold so we can have some diapers. That's what they're saying. I'm just being honest. I'm saying what they, that's, I, that's just the fruition that's following their logic to the end, correct? No, I remember cloth diapers. It's like the purge for diapers. <laughs> I remember cloth diapers. Uh, you know, when I was really young and my younger brothers and all that, we didn't have, there weren't, disp- there weren't pampers, anything like that. Back you then. act like you grew up in the 20s. I didn't grow you up did in not. the 20s. But you did I grew not up have in a cloth t- diapers. We had, yes, we had cloth diapers. When I was a kid, I guarantee you would call my mom right now. She'd say, I wore cloth diapers. Was that, and that's not because, does that have anything to do with the fact that you drink bacteria tea now? No, what? No. Like the hippie nothing, tea with absolutely the nothing globs to do with of it. gunk in it? Nothing at all. Okay. I'm just saying that we should look to these older solutions to these newer problems. Or, that's all I'm saying. Or we could just stop being stupid about the economy. I mean, there is well, that. Who's in charge of the White House? I know. Of I know. The Congress. I mean, let's be real. I yeah, we, you know the problem with the formula shortage, and I just can't. They're talking about people culling. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually wrote this and published it as an actual piece. There's no way I saw this. I could not take this seriously. I could not take this seriously. The senior editor uh, that wrote this article said roughly one third of U.S. families are unable to afford diapers necessary to keep their babies dry and clean. I mean. Climbing inflation, supply chain crisis. No, she blames pregnancy centers, put physical, mental, and economic stress on these people, and the coronavirus and households. They they're seeking help from these. You know, um, anti-abortion service centers are misrepresenting their services. No, actually, they're not. But whatever. Um, I mean, I am just shocked by this. You have pregnancy centers. They serve millions of people every year. And they do everything. They also do uh, pediatric. Some of them have pediatric services. I think it also depends on the size of the area that they serve. And there are three to one. They outnumber three to one. There's like uh, you know, over 2,500 of them around the country. And yet Planned Parenthood is just very, very siloed in what they do. Very, It's very just narrow what they do. I'm just man alive. Heaven forbid. Well, we got to, in order to have more formula and diapers, we're going to have to cull some babies. I mean, that's just... Yeah, but you do bring up a good point about the dead diaper. <laughs> I don't uh, about the about the cloth diaper. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and they could maybe do that. Yeah, I mean, even with the formula shortage, there were old recipes that parents used for kids back. You know, for their toddlers, these stupid and their babies using all then. these diapers. How dare they? I'm just saying we should look more to the old days for some of the problems that we're experiencing today, or at least solutions. Including dealing with with this type of idiocy. I'm all for looking back to the old days for that. Golly. If you're a regular listener, then you've heard me talk about Keltec and all the reasons why they're one of my personal favorites when it comes to firearms. Privately owned family company, Keltec has been making one-of-a-kind American-made firearms since 1995. Driven by creativity, Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market. They innovate 
new ones, including the new P50. The P50 platform is based around a 50-round double-stack magazine, which lays horizontally along the top of the grip. The 5.7 cartridge comes in several variants, from sporting, hunting, to personal defense, and with how easy it handles its smooth shooting, because it's well-balanced and thus accurate. You can definitely see kel reliability and quality at work. The P50 is fun on the range, but it's also great for serious home protection. To find out more about the P50 and all other kel weapons and products, check out keltechweapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C weapons.com. Keltech, creating innovative quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltechweapons.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Keltech. So, um, this is really bizarre. And I also kind of why I would never, I don't think I could ever wear contact lenses. A doctor removed 23 forgotten contact lenses from a patient's eye. <laughs> How do you even fit anybody in there? That is the, that, that's, that seems impossible. This ophthalmologist in California posted a video where she extracted 23 forgotten contact lenses from a patient's eye. This is in Newport Beach. 23. And the older the woman who was elderly had for, apparently forgotten that she had them. I, I'm just... I mean, they were glued together for like, a, for like a month under the eye. How does this even... Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. But it happened. So, this, see, I'm just a little nervous. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to wear, I wouldn't be able to wear contacts. I really, I really wouldn't be able to because I, th- I would be like worried I'd forget them like that. Not like that, but you know what I mean. Uh, let's see. Apparently, also, a man with a flamethrower attempted a citizen's arrest of teenagers who tried to toilet paper his house. Seems like a bad way to do that, dude. Uh, it was in Wisconsin. A Baraboo High School junior, a Baraboo High School junior and his pal set out to toilet paper the home of uh, apparently one of their friends. And then when they arrived, they found the dad standing on his lawn in military garb, wielding a blazing flamethrower, which sounds like it was just they was being kind of funny. Maybe Uh, they said that uh, they tried to revie. They tried to retreat the neighbors. One who's the high school's athletic director blocked the car for the five students said that they thought the adult's response was racially motivated. Oh my gosh, come on. Stop it. I mean, come on. Really? This, everybody, you you can never, uh, everything is dumb. Uh, Also, apparently, Microsoft's army goggles left U.S. soldiers with nausea and headaches in a new test. I just think the the goggles like that are just kind of dumb anyway, but... She thought it was inappropriate that she said during small talk uh, before our yeah. interview. Maybe she's bad at small talk. Maybe yeah, it was maybe, her. Maybe it's her. <laughs> I just feel that, you know, I don't know what, if it was an off-the-record conversation, if the entire interview was off-the-record, but I know, Sarah, you've interviewed people. We interview people, and we have small talk before. That is generally not something that you mention during <laughs> when you're being interviewed by an anchor. What? Because you've done so many of those hard news interviews. Yeah. Wow. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash, here with you. Getting you set up for the weekend, folks. We are at the top of our second hour here this Friday. And that was that uh, those were the females of The View who are mad at the reporter who interviewed John Fetterman because it was not a good interview for John Fetterman. And so they're mad at her about this. It is wild. And to this point, let me pull up this story. 
There was a quote from John Fetterman's wife who had very harsh words for NBC's Dasha Burns saying that her description of small talk with her husband left her feeling close to rage. This comes from someone covering the midterms for ABC in Pennsylvania. She says, I don't know how there were not consequences. So this is her quote. This is the quote from John Fetterman's wife to the interview that uh, NBC's Dasha Burns did. That, that interview made Fetterman look so... It was one of the worst things he could have done. And they're blaming it on the reporter. So much for the sanctity of the press. This is what John Fetterman's wife said. Quote, I don't like saying rage because I think that's a really unhealthy feeling. And when you feel those things, it only harms yourself. But when a disservice, but what a disservice that she did to not only my husband, but to anyone facing a disability and working through it. And I don't know how there were not consequences. I mean, there, there are consequences for folks in these positions who are any of the isms. I mean, she was ableist. I'm going to stop there because it goes on. It's like her mind finds other things. This is absolute garbage from Giselle Fetterman. Absolute garbage. Grow up, lady, female. Grow up. This To say that it's ableism, if you do not want questions about your husband's health asked, then your husband shouldn't be running for elected office. Because voters, it is our right that people in this country died for to secure our our uh, history is built on being able to ask questions of not just elected officials but people running for office people died for these rights this is the right of the voter to ask questions you can't sit here and wrap yourself in stroke recovery as a way to deflect from legitimate questions and then have the audacity to impugn the character of anyone who who rises to that right and obligation as a citizen to ask questions as to whether or not they're fit for office that is appalling i find that so bigoted how dare giselle fetterman actually use things like that as a way to say that some people are just are a little bit more protected from answering questions than others regardless of whether or not they're running for office and to 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 sit here and use word salad like ableism how dare you these people are elitist and they feel like they are entitled to everything. She thinks there should be consequences for an NBC reporter who had the audacity to question her husband. How dare you question this man? He's gone through his whole entire life being coddled by his rich family. His sister bought his bougie loft that they lived in, and it was featured in some design, a bunch of design magazines. You know, he sits here and talks about he's the everyman. They live in this really super bougie loft. His parents paid him an allowance so he didn't have to work all the way up until his, to his 50s until he got this elected position that finally paid him. He has had an entire life handed to him. He has lived off of the coattails of other people's work. And he tries to present himself as the everyman. If only the everyman were a dependent upon their parents until they were in their 50s. If only the everyman got to live in a nice, spacious, bougie, fancy loft that their sister purchased for them, like John Fetterman does. And then the wife gets mad. How dare you ask him whether or not he's actually physically capable of doing the job? I mean, no big deal. It's just the Senate, right? I am really hostile to people who try to act as though 
elected officials and people running for office are above us. And she's, if, if he is not able to answer questions, then he shouldn't A, be running for office and B, shouldn't be giving interviews. What happened to all the people screeching about the sanctity of the press, right? This is what else she said. Let me finish this because it gets crazier. She found, she walked around, her mind walked around. She was just saying words and then she stumbled upon ableist and then she went to town on that word. So she goes, quote, she said, quote, I mean, she was ableist. That's what she was in her interview. It was appalling to the entire disability community. So that's apparently sidebar. Giselle Fetterman is apparent. John Fetterman, not only can you not question him when he's running for office, but if you do, you're insulting everyone who is disabled. She continues, quote, uh, it was appalling to the entire disability community and I think to journalism. So I was shocked. I'm still really upset by it. I think the positive is that it's brought a lot of conversations about accommodations and rights and ableism. I mean, ableism was trending on Twitter. It shows you there's just so much to do, but these networks have to take accountability, right? Like, where is your training? It was appalling to see. And you see that in schools. You see that in young children. You don't expect to see it at this level. I have not heard an apology. It has not come. No one owes you an apology. No one owes John or Giselle Fetterman an apology. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. I'm trying to wrap my head around this headline. So... Let me just set this up because y'all know I'm a germaphobe. I think a lot of you, at least, you know, maybe you're not as nutty as I used to be. I got rid of a lot of it during the pandemic. But, you know, when you're feeding your toddler stuff, you wash your hands, right? You're handing them something. You wash your hands, especially if you're dealing with any type of material that's like dirty or could hurt them. You know, like if you're using bleach to scrub something, you're going to wash your hand. You know what I'm saying? So this blows my mind. A Florida mom has been jailed. Because she fed her two-year-old with candy. Now, that doesn't seem like it's bad. But she had hands that were dirty from fentanyl. No. For real. Deputies arrived on the scene. They gave the, ba- the toddler some, they gave it the toddler Narcan, which reversed the symptoms. And then the child was transported to the hospital and later released. Now, she had the woman... Jessica Martinez had a prior active warrant for possession of a controlled substance. And they said that her hands were legit covered in fentanyl when she fed this kid pieces of candy. That was her drug of choice. So she was charged with child neglect. She was held without bond. That is, I mean, I'm so grateful that the that the baby's okay, but man, and fentanyl that was she like, are you playing in it? Like kind of like, what are you, what are you doing? Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Inflation reports are worse than expected. High-speed rail once again proves to be a left-wing pipe dream. And Politico Europe praises Putin for forcing Europe off of fossil fuels. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day for conservatives, and hopefully a lot of laughs too. Join us. Follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.